Well, friends, I have come back online here, and uh, I don't know if I have corrected the problem out there or not. I'm not hearing it here. Um, the issue. So something is uh, absolutely uh, awry if you're still hearing it out there. Uh, my apologies, everyone. My absolute apologies to you. I was in here thinking I was good to go. This is live. Uh, this is live. And uh, so if, if you're still having echo issues, let me know. And I'm going to have to go back and uh, figure out what's going on. I've reloaded everything. Wow. Okay. Well, then, um, hmm. Oh, it sounds good now? Laura says it doesn't sound good. Fran says it does sound good. Um. Uh, Somebody else, one more way in here, better. Just feedback. You shouldn't be having any feedback. Um, how about now? Things better? Worse? Okay, it's better now. Uh Sorry, folks, we, we lost all that time this morning together. This will be one of those uh, broadcasts. Okay, I've done everything that I can do at this point that I know of uh, beyond uh, going and checking things out. So, hey, this is, this is it with a live broadcast. So any of you that listened to the mess the first time, I'm going to just delete that. Uh, there'll be a second one. We'll come back and uh, uh, follow this one on Facebook. We're in John chapter 11. I feel better, but apparently my computer doesn't feel better. Uh, it did clean up and update, so must be it did something there. So uh, hopefully it is all copacetic now and... Uh, I did whatever adjustments I would normally do, and so hopefully we're good. We've been looking at uh, Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were friends of Jesus, uh, and we talked last time that uh, I was able to broadcast when I still didn't have much voice uh, about the friendship between Jesus and Lazarus, what some people in the world want to make that to be. Uh, but the fact is, we, we know it was a friendship, that, that there was a love that was there between uh, Lazarus and Mary uh, and Martha. This is the Mary that had washed Jesus' uh, Jesus' feet uh, with, uh, with her hair. Her life, had, she'd been forgiven. And perhaps this is why Lazarus and Martha also loved Jesus, because he had such an impact in Mary's life. What we do know is that they were friends. What we do know is that uh, Jesus had an immense love for them. And what we do know is that Lazarus was sick, and they had sent word to Lazarus. Uh, and uh, one, once that word was sent, 
Jesus delayed. Jesus didn't rush to to the aid of his friends. Uh, He delayed for a few days, and this allowed Lazarus to become more and more ill and ultimately uh, allowed Lazarus to to die. And uh, so those are the things that we know. Um, Jesus informs his disciples that the uh, that Lazarus has died before they go, and they said he's he's died, and and we'll see the words of of one of the disciples who will say, well, you know, let us go, and and we will die with him too, and uh, so then they go, and that's where we're going to pick up today. Uh, sorry, I'm a little out of sorts now because this whole uh, computer issue kind of threw me out of out of sorts a little bit, but let's pick back up in the text. Uh, At verse 17, it says, On his arrival, kind of toward the bottom of the page, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them with the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Now, Martha was a kind of forthright, up front, we're going to challenge the situation. And uh, she was the take charge kind of woman. So she comes right up to Jesus, verse 21, and says, Lord, if you'd been been here, my brother would not have died. She's distraught. Maybe she's angry. Maybe she's thinking, Jesus, what was up that you took so long getting here? Um. But if you had come, uh, he would not have died. Verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. And, And so, you know, she's thinking, yes, the sovereignty of God, and I'll look ahead to the sovereignty of God, and I'll look ahead to, excuse me, I will look ahead to, uh, that day, because I know that God is sovereign and all things are in his hands and a number of our days are in his hands, and I know all these things. Verse 24, verse 25, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Sometimes the Lord allows us to be in situations that cause us to clarify our belief, that cause us to clarify our understanding of who he is and what we understand about who he is. Uh, And this is one of these situations in uh, Martha's life where she is being challenged about what do you believe? What do you believe I'm able to do? What do you believe about um, the final state? Uh, what do you believe about my ability over uh, over death and over life? Verse twenty six: Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And this is this is a line that I would use at a funeral. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Uh, and, and for us to to think about to understand. 
that, yes, the body might die, but we live on in eternity with the Lord. The question that comes out of this for all of us is this. Do we believe this? Do we believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Do we believe that he who believes in me will live even though he dies? Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she affirmed her belief. Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Those are her words to him there. You can see it on the screen. There it is. What do you believe? I mean, everything in life is theological, friends. Everything that that we do, uh, we relate back to our faith. What would God think of that? What does God want with that? Uh, what does God uh, want our relationship with our neighbor to be? Uh, what does God want our relationship with money to be? What does God want our relationship with work to be? What does God want our relationship with the rhythms of the soul to be? Those are the questions. Um, What does he want our relationship with our spouse to be if we're married? What does he want our relationship with our children to be like? Uh, What does he want our relationship with the government to be like? What does he want our relationship with taxes to be like? Uh, What does he want our view of the end times to be like? What does he want our view of heaven and hell uh, and life beyond this earth to be like? It's all theological. And so Jesus presses the question, do you believe this? He could have said, what do you believe about these things? But she answers this, I believe that you are the Christ, Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, again, we need to be able to state our beliefs I think that we're sometimes a little too soft on pressing uh, each other uh, in our beliefs. I think it's time that maybe we get out our our statement of faith again. uh, And as a congregation, spend the time reading it, spend the time discussing it, spend the time understanding what are the the pitfalls and problems in in, in, uh, the modern day with the statement of faith. When I say pitfalls, how culture um, pushes back. And culture wants us to change our belief system. Culture wants us to, uh, in in essence, say that we believe something different, uh, that that what we have believed for millennia uh, is out of date. Do you believe these things? I don't believe these things. I hope that you don't believe these things. I hope that you... uh, Believe the truth of Scripture as recorded, not as understood, but as recorded. I think because there are people, even we get there sometimes, that we want to believe the Scripture in the way that 
we understand or the way that we want to interpret it. Friends, I want to suggest to you that by and large, there is actually only one correct interpretation of Scripture. Uh, By and large, there are areas that are subject to some differences of understanding. Do not buy the notion that says, uh, you know, it becomes God's word as you read it. That is a heresy. Uh, Do not believe that there's lots of different interpretations of everything you read in the Bible. That's a heresy. Uh, we, We believe it is given to us by God in the original languages to be understood Uh, and to be uh, then applied. Now, there might be different applications. There might be different nuances of understanding, but it says what it means, and it means what it says. And so I want to come hard against the notion that there's all kinds of interpretation. And and we've said that. Now, you you may have been a person that has said that along the way. Well, there's different ways to interpret, but there's only one correct way. Uh, to interpret what it says. And you take it, for the most part, at face value. Yes, there are metaphorical aspects in the Scripture, uh, but by and large, we can take it at face value. Uh, The historical books we place in a historical context, uh, understand them in their time, take them at face value. The teachings of Jesus in the parables, there's really largely only one correct interpretation there. Uh, so I, I want to challenge us because the enemy wants us to say, "No, no, no! You don't have to. You don't have to believe the Bible." Culture wants us to say, "You don't have to believe the Bible." Uh, I want to take the words of Jesus spoken to Martha here, where he says, "Do you believe this?" And ask you, "What do you believe?" What do you believe? Um, that's the question. Now up. Above, uh, Walter says I sound a little froggy. That's probably actually my voice. Probably the scratchiness is probably my voice uh, at this point. Hopefully, we've corrected the microphone issue that we had going on here uh, a little bit ago and that you can hear just fine. Now, let's continue on uh, in the text here this morning. See what happens. Says after she had said this, after she had said, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. Now, we don't read anywhere here where it says that Jesus asked for her. We just have to assume that somewhere in the dialogue there was the Jesus perhaps saying to, to Martha, where is Mary? Bring her to me. Verse 29 says, when Mary heard this, she got up quickly, went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village. He was still on his way. Martha had gone out to see him, um, but it says she was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her Noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Uh, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she believed that. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, 
he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, she, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Now we get to the next verse, verse 35. There's another verse, and I, off the top of my head, do not recall what it is. There are two verses with two words. Uh, and this is one. This is one of those two verses in the Bible with only two words. It would be one of the shortest. Many would point to this and say this is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Now, there is so much that we can derive from those two words that Jesus wept. Jesus wept indicates his humanity. Jesus wept indicates his compassion. Jesus wept indicates his emotion. Jesus wept uh, indicates his empathy with those others who were crying around him, Mary, Martha, the Jews who were there with them, who had been comforting them. So much. We, make, we can make so much about the uh, deity of Jesus, and we should. But we also need to understand the humanity of Jesus. It was in his humanity of Jesus that he could empathize with us in our suffering. It's in the humanity of Jesus that we see him weeping. It's in the humanity of Jesus that we see him empathizing with those who were around him at this point in time. They could see, people could see the emotion, they could see the love, they could see the compassion, they could see his own, if it were brokenness, perhaps, they could see this. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? I mean, they're, they're questioning why Jesus didn't do more. They believed he could have done more. They believed that he could have spared Lazarus, but he didn't. What happened? He allowed Lazarus to die. What happened? Jesus delayed for a few days, and, and that allowed Lazarus to die because God had a bigger plan. Friends, sometimes in life when things aren't going our way, uh, we need to maybe sit back and go, perhaps God has a bigger plan. Perhaps God is trying to change our direction. Perhaps God wants to come through in our life in a way that, that demonstrates that it is only him. This could only be a work of God. And so we look to him. Jesus had a plan. They don't know what this plan is. All they know is that Jesus had the ability, could have prevented the death, but Lazarus has died anyway. But what's going to happen? You know the story. You know exactly what the story is. It says in John eleven thirty eight, 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. I, I want to show you, this is, this is a verse I love out of the uh, King James Version. Let me put it up for you. Verse 39, scroll back down to it. I just love how this is 
stated, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Some of them translate it this way, Surely he stinketh by now. Uh, I've just always kind of found humor in that. Surely he stinketh by now, for he's been dead four days. Now think about it. Uh, They perhaps had some some means and some methods of uh, hiding some of the odor uh, of death, but you've been around it. You have passed it uh, along the highway at times something that is dead, and or maybe you've had a dead rodent in your house or something in that smell. Um, this is exactly what Martha's saying. Now, perhaps they put some spices. Perhaps they, in fact, we, we know they wrapped him uh, in, the, in the burial claws, and often they would put spices and, and, and various ointments and things on, on the body of the deceased. Um, but it continues on. Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, perhaps in his cries, perhaps in his moans. He was whispering prayers to the Father, and he said, said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Verse 42, I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe you sent me. He's saying, he's indicating that, that, that he is acknowledging his prayerfulness that they would be able to acknowledge that it is God. When he had said this, it said, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Lazarus called from the dead by the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some of the modern songs that we do that uh, that talk about this, the, the, how we were dead men, and, and yet he, he called us from the grave. Think about how Christ called you from the grave. Think about how he called you to life. Think about all of these things and how absolutely wonderful it is. Jesus has ability to raise the dead. Jesus has the ability to heal the sick. Jesus has the ability to provide for our needs. Jesus has the ability to make the lame to walk the deaf to hear, the mute to speak, the blind to see. What can he do in your life and in mine if we're willing to trust him and all that uh, he can do in and through our lives? This is one of the great miracles. This is one of the great miracles that that Jesus did in the Bible. Uh, There are greater miracles, perhaps his own resurrection being the greatest miracle but to call a dead man back from the dead. And it wasn't like, you know, sometimes you can see these um, Facebook, not Facebook, but YouTube stories or about people who were pronounced dead and yet, you know, within 
several minutes or an hour. And, and I've seen some of these where someone that they pronounce dead actually revives and comes back to life and sets up and says, what's going on? Um, and everybody thought he was dead, pronounced dead. They, they'd signed the death certificate already. And the person comes back to life. But this is four days. This is four days dead and raised to life. What's dead in your life that needs to be called that needs to be raised to life, that needs to be called back from the dead? Would you let Jesus enter in and call things back from the dead in your life today? Lord, help us to believe you. Help us to trust you. Help us to look to you and what you can do in our lives. You're the king of the universe. You're the hope of the world. Be the Lord of our lives, that we might glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap today. Hopefully tomorrow we get online and we don't have any of these issues again. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.